What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast, bringing you the latest and greatest in TCU sports. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We are back here recording Sunday evening, episode 11 coming your way. We are recapping the TCU football game against West Virginia, a tough loss for the Frogs, losing 24 to 21. The blackout was not enough for the Frogs as West Virginia shuts TCU out in the second half and comes away with a 24-21 victory. We will recap that game, talk about what went wrong for the Frogs, what went right, and what TCU can do moving forward as the team will now gear up for a road game against Iowa State next weekend. It'll also be a night game in Ames, but we have TCU and West Virginia to discuss this evening. In addition to some TCU soccer and TCU volleyball news, some good news coming from those two programs with soccer picking up a pair of Big 12 wins along with volleyball as well, sweeping Texas Tech at Shawmire Arena. So, Anthony, uh, how's your weekend going so far? I know for me, I've been kind of struggling with some allergies today. I apologize if I sound a little uh, a little congested here. Um, we're getting into the fall, and I have pretty bad seasonal allergies and all this farmland around me. Everyone's uh, got all the pollen and stuff going in the air. So I apologize if I sound a little congested, but Anthony, how's your Sunday going? What's going on down there in Texas? Yeah. You don't need any excuses for sounding extra somber or extra, <laughs> you know, like, like you've got the tears in your eyes after, uh, after that weekend of TCU football, I think. Yeah. It's, it's been a good weekend out here in Fort Worth uh, aside from, the action on, on the football field at Amon G Carter stadium. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say with just generally about the game, man, it went really late, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever they did to allegedly shorten football games. I think that was a four hour football game deep into the night. Uh, I think nearly 11 PM it ended, uh, central time here that, that's I'm I'm an old man. That's that's too late for me. I'm sure uh you know the you could kind of see the crowd started to thin out a little bit later in the game. I mean, if you had kids out there or something, it's hard to it's hard to stay out that late. So, uh it's it's unfortunate that I I think maybe the accumulation of injuries and some other things in that game just made things go way longer than you would have expected for uh these teams that had played not that many. I mean, West Virginia was not running many plays coming into this game. And so uh, late night, I, I took a couple naps today uh, trying to catch up. I was up late writing, writing the recap, uh, quick thoughts and uh, but ready to hear hear uh, tonight. Start talking about it. Yeah, a, t- a tough day for my bears, a tough night for our frogs and Tough day for my fantasy team as well. 0-4 all over the place. It's been a, a brutal stretch here for for your boy. Ouch. But we'll, we'll go ahead and jump right into it and, and get to TCU and West Virginia. But first, this episode, of course, is brought to y'all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go online to charliehustle.com. Get your TCU swag. Use the promo code FROGSOWAR for 15% off any TCU items. Or if you want to support any of the other uh, podcasts in the 1012 network in addition to our own, you can use the promo code 101215, that's T-E-N-1215, for 15% off any non-sale items at charliehustle.com. The Patreon is live. If you want to support the 1012 network, any of the podcasts involved, 
or the two of us here on Frogs Up, please consider donating to the Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash 1012 network. Also, on it, athlete, TCU football trading cards pre sales are wrapping up. Tomorrow is the expected launch date of the TCU football trading cards. On it is working with about 40 different colleges and universities this year to produce football trading cards. Packs are $12.99. 33% of all revenue goes to NIL. So if you want to support TCU, support the football program, support the athletes. Consider checking out On It Athlete. We have information on our socials, Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War, or even on our website at frogsofwar.com. Check it out. Uh, we should be getting some samples here shortly, and if we do, we will be able to showcase what the product is and show that off for y'all in the near future. So, yeah, I ordered a few packs. I ordered a few packs. I'm I'm looking forward to them to uh hopefully they ship next week and and get to see what those TC Horn Frog cards look like in person. And we had some samples uh shipped to us from previous works. This is a, a company that's worked with Boise State and Alabama and Gonzaga basketball, Oregon and uh really cool, really cool cards. They got different designs. They're uh rare cards, premier cards. Um, it's really exciting stuff. And I'm excited to uh, share the TCU cards when they do come out. And hopefully we get those samples soon. We'll tease them on the on the podcast here. But let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and jump into this football game last night. The blackout at Amon G. Carter Stadium, TCU and West Virginia. Every time these two teams get together, it's a dogfight. It doesn't seem to matter where these two teams are in the schedule or what the records are. It's just a physical battle, a grind of a football game. And uh, unfortunately, West Virginia is coming out with another victory. I believe it's four out of the last five years now. Uh, West Virginia has knocked off TCU. As we know, Neil Brown had a lot of success against Gary Patterson over his last few years. And TCU is able to come away with the victory last year. On a, on a late touchdown and a couple key plays late in that game. But um, looking at this game, TCU really seemed to be in control during the first half. The offense was moving the ball really well. Chandler Morris had over 200 total yards in the first half. And Garrett Green for the game completes only 47% of his passes. And yet West Virginia finds a way in the second half to just really dominate the Horn Frogs. I mean, TCU had one total yard in the third quarter, and West Virginia, despite scoring only ten points in the second half, was able to make the key plays when they needed to be made. And for for TCU, a lot of the same issues that we've been talking about throughout the season continued to rear their ugly head. There were opportunities in the first half to score where TCU just couldn't finish drives and stumbled over its own feet. And then in the second half, West Virginia just kind of dominated the game defensively. So well, we'll try and keep this discussion as uh, focused as we can possibly. But Anthony, when you watch this football game and just when you reacted to the outcome immediately, what were just your overall thoughts on the way this game played out and TCU's performance? Yeah, I mean, first thing before we get into all the things about TCU here. Just, you know, West Virginia deserved that win, played well, played hard, um, played 
you know, extremely good defense in that second half to shut down TCU. So all the things we're going to say coming up, all credit to West Virginia and to Neil Brown and to the coaching staff for coming into Fort Worth in this night game in in what was a, a pretty intense atmosphere and ended up just taking it to the Horn Frogs. So um all credit there and and all of the the things that we're gonna say about TCU does not take away from the effort that they did. Um I think there's there's a lot of things in this game. Um we'll we'll go we'll go positives. Positives first. I think that the TCU defense had a really good game in a lot of ways. The the secondary made plays, you know, Garrett Green ends up with 10 completions on the day, um, under 50% passing. And that's not just they weren't throwing the ball a whole lot or, you know, they were there were a bunch of throwaways or anything like that. The, the TCU secondary, um, there was one series where they had three straight forced incompletions that were just really great plays um, from uh, Abe Kamara, Mark Perry, Avery Helm and and Josh Newton had a pretty good game. There was uh one play where he gets beat and looks like West Virginia scores a touchdown. He makes a enough of a tackle that it's ruled they're down at the 5 and the TCU defense stands tall there um at uh in the second half to to force a turnover on downs that gives TCU every opportunity to go win this game. I think you know People, a lot of TCU fans continue to have a lot of negative opinions about the the defensive scheme and the defensive players, and I'm just not seeing it out of this one. I think TCU defensively did everything it needed to to earn a win in this game, and the offense was unable to get it done um, because that second half, it got completely shut down. I, I think offensively, the takeaway, um, you know, we can we can talk about play calling, we can talk about some of the the time management stuff, but really, the offensive line just got bullied. Um, mm-hmm. Brandon Coleman was out for this game with an injury, uh, starting guard, one of the top offensive linemen on the team. So that's you're already in bad shape. But really, West Virginia just just whooped the frogs up front in the second half in particular, um, you know, TCU goes in that third quarter, one yard, one total yard of offense in three drives, three punts, one yard in the third quarter, unbelievable, unfathomable failure ineptitude from the offense in that second half. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean the, the second half drive chart is five punts and two blocked field goals absurd um yeah you know and and you end up losing by three points just a a a total failure from from every aspect there but i think it comes back to primarily that offensive line was just getting dominated up front and chandler morris had no time to throw amani bailey had no space to run he was held uh under three yards of carry in this game he entered the game as the the big 12's leading rusher as you know one of the top uh running rushing yards backs in the country and he's he's fully shut down in this one um and that's that's West Virginia's 
defense and it's also TCU's offense just did not put itself in in good positions in this game at all. Yeah, you know, I'll start with the defense and I I really agree with everything that you said and Sonny Dykes made several comments post game that really echo what we're talking about here on the podcast this evening. Sonny Dykes said that he felt the defense played well enough to give TCU a chance to win and I thought the secondary had another really strong performance. Bud Clark nearly had an interception mm-hmm. for the third game in a row uh, on a play where it initially was called a pick and then they overturned it. I think it could have gone either way, but you had good coverage in this game. And it's the third consecutive week where TCU forced an opposing quarterback to complete fewer than 50% of his passes. And granted, Donovan Smith, Preston Stone, Garrett Green, that may not be the uh, premier group of quarterbacks, but they are talented enough to be power five starting quarterbacks and I thought the biggest challenge for TCU defensively coming in was would they be able to contain CJ Donaldson and this West Virginia rushing offense and although Garrett Green had some success on keeping some of those read options there was the play early in the game where he uh, bounces it outside on on a keeper and there's no edge to be set and he just waltzes in for a touchdown that was one of the few big plays that West Virginia had in this game. But C.J. Donaldson had 22 carries for only 61 yards. So when you can hold a running back like him to less than three yards a carry and you're forcing Garrett Green, who had 12 carries for 80 yards to make all the plays happen, I think you'll you'll take that if you're TCU because you don't want to let the – arguably the best player on the opposing team beat you. And TCU didn't let C.J. Donaldson beat them in this game. So I was really pleased with that. You brought up the stop on fourth down late in the game where, you know, it looks like it's a touchdown for the Mountaineers on on the Josh Newton tackle. And uh, just if his knee was maybe an inch higher off the ground, that's probably a score, but it gets overturned in the defense. Dominic Williams on a really obscure night where – in my history of football, I don't know if I've ever seen a nose tackle called for defensive holding, let alone twice in the same game. And Sonny Dykes was irate about that. He drew an unsportsmanlike flag for riding the, and he was riding the officials all night. But um, I think some of those calls were, were kind of ticky tack, but for Dominic Williams to be able to respond and help TCU get a huge defensive stop late in the game. The defense played well enough for TCU to win. That's that's ultimately what I'm trying to get at here. But offensively, it was two big issues. I mean, you go you go back to the first half, and it was a lot of the same stuff that we've been talking about all year. You have uh, an opportunity to keep a drive going on a fourth and one play, and you rush up to the line of scrimmage, you give the ball to Amani Bailey on fourth and one, and he gets stuffed for no gain. And the drive just ends right then and there. Um, Chandler Morris, I thought, played really well in the first half. He made some key throws. He made the right reads on some of those uh, read option plays. He had the great run for the touchdown, finished with, I think, 51 rushing yards and 298 passing yards. And it's it's unfortunate that Chandler is getting criticized as much as he is right now on social media because I mean, he played pretty poorly in the second half, but he, he really was TCU's offense in the first half. He that was first half. He was terrific. Play. Yeah. Yeah. Chandler, oh, yeah. Chandler Morris, 
is not the biggest reason why TCU lost this football game. So I really hope the the criticism of him uh, fizzles out a little bit on, on social media because the biggest reason why TCU lost this game, Anthony, I agree with you 100%, is the offensive line got exposed. And Brandon Coleman, as you said, wasn't playing because of an injury from the last game, but you still have enough talent and experience on this offensive line with Andrew Coker, who's a redshirt senior. Willis Patrick is a, a sixth-year player, I believe. John Lands is a, a redshirt senior. Mike Nichols is, I think, in his fourth year with the program. Uh, ben Taylor Whitfield, who got the start for Coleman at left guard, he's a, a freshman, but coaches are extremely high on him. This unit just got dominated. I mean, it, it wasn't just that Amani Bailey had nowhere to run, but even when TCU finally made an adjustment in the third quarter on the third drive of the second half and tried to throw a screen pass to counter the blitz mm. that was coming through the middle, Imani Bailey still got tackled for a loss of two yards. So it, it was just physical domination by the West Virginia defense in the third quarter. And, you know, TCU, because TCU struggled to run the ball so much in the first half, you saw Kendall Bryles just kind of give up on on running the ball for about a quarter and a half and Amani Bailey was able to make a couple of plays happen there late in the fourth quarter but at the end of the day it, it just wasn't enough and then on special teams I mean I, I'm not really sure what's going on with with the special teams units right now but it, it was everybody I mean Griffin Kell goes 0 for 3 he misses the long field goal early, early in the game I mean that's it was a long kick. I believe it was 53 yards. But And and just on that one, I think that's another one where the offense and the offensive play calling in that situation set him up for, for failure there, where you're, you have a first down inside the 30, and you run that jet sweep to JoJo Earl that loses 40 yards. You you take a, a pitch that you throw six yards back backwards to Jack Beck that he, he ends up getting back to the line of scrimmage, but that's you're you're just setting yourself up for failure there where you you force Kell to kick a long field goal where you know he was he was so consistent last season but the offense wasn't asking him to kick 50 plus yarders every game so yes his percentage is is way down this year and some of that is he he's just not being as consistent but also this offense just keeps setting him up with 50 plus yard field goals and and you're just not going to hit those at a high rate and the intentional grounding call didn't help either on a play where uh, Dalen Wright, I think, ran the ran the wrong route. He went to the sideline as Morris threw the ball into the end zone. And again, that's a call where I think most officiating crews will just let that go as an incomplete pass, but they wind up calling it grounding. And that, you know, turns a 47-yard field goal into a 50-plus. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Kel has two field goals blocked in the fourth quarter. Jordy Sandy was struggling to flip the field. We've seen him do a much better job in the past of flipping the field position, and and he was averaging you know, thirty nine to forty yards a punt. So it was a down game for him. And then JoJo Earl on the punt returns, they they might need to get somebody else out there. Um, JoJo Earl just hasn't really found his role on this team this season, and I'm kind of 
surprised slash disappointed. I think he was a player that a lot of people were really excited about coming in. The former Alito product, big time high school prospect, went to Alabama, had some success on that offense, but also had some injuries. And now coming to TCU, I think we both probably are in agreement that he was a guy that we thought would be a starter and a high level player for this offense to step in for Darius Davis and, Mm -hmm. and Tay Barber. And it just, it's not happening for, for Jojo Earl for whatever reason. And hopefully he can figure something out and hopefully TCU can figure out a way to get him going. But it's, it it was just, it was a struggle on special teams all night. It was a struggle on offense in the second half. And despite all of that, TCU was still in the game and had a chance to, to possibly win it. And, you know, you're driving there at the end of the fourth quarter and Chandler Morris takes a couple of really untimely sacks you know the offensive line didn't help him out there you're you're giving up a sack on a four-man rush you're giving up a sack on a three-man rush that that's inexcusable that can't happen but for Chandler Morris as well in that situation you gotta know get the ball out if you need to throw it away just throw it away because a field goal ties the game you know at that point prior to the two sacks I think TCU was looking at a a 45, 46 yard field goal. And he takes the two sacks. It winds up being a 55 yard kick and it gets blocked. And it was just an unceremonious end to the football game. And it's a really disappointing loss. I mean, I watched the press uh, post-game press conference with Sonny Dykes and he, he just looked really despondent after this loss and talked about how the, the coaches need to coach better and, the players need to be more consistent and the, the players need to be better, but um, it's, it's going to be a tough one to swallow. Uh, just, just a really tough performance all the way around. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, the margins are very thin in for, for TCU. It's always going to be that way. And in the big 12, it's going to be that way that the opposition is going to be pretty strong consistently and last season TCU came away with wins in all of these games where they had a chance to win they went and they they won until the big 12 championship all through the regular season the Oklahoma State game the Kansas State game the Baylor game um, you come away with wins there that really are coin flips or worse Uh, and here this season, TCU has had two of these opportunities, ball in hand, go win the game. And TCU both times has gotten across midfield, has been in position to set themselves up at at least for a makeable field goal or go and win the game with a touchdown. And both times have just hit the wall and can't execute and can't get it done. Um, I think both times got conservative for no reason. Um, I think there's a little bit of maybe there's just too much trust in Griffin Kell's leg. Um, you know, there last night, the wind was blowing pretty strong uh, south to north. And that final those final kicks that were blocked were both into the wind at long distance. Those are going to be tough kicks. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, that final drive against here against West Virginia, TCU 
runs Amani Bailey, gets a few yards, calls a timeout. First play out of the timeout is a sack. I, I how is how is that happening? How is that not? How do you not have something set up out of that timeout to go get five yards, to go get seven, nine yards, get that first down? Because you get that first down, that field goal becomes much more makeable there. And it sets you up with all the opportunities to go get a touchdown. Um, you come out of that timeout and you have nothing set up to protect against West Virginia's pressure. However little pressure they were actually bringing that just the offensive line couldn't handle. Um, and then you call another timeout and very same thing. And, and, you know, Morris ends up, they, they rule that he gets that pass away. Um, but in any case you're, you're, you know, yeah. That, and maybe, maybe TCU was worse off having that happen. I mean, I think if TCU takes the sack there and they got to pick up fourth and 11, maybe they go for it. Maybe they pick it up. Maybe they get a easier field goal or, or go down and score. Instead, it's, you know, fourth and seven or whatever it ends up being. And, and it's a perceived as a makeable field goal. But I, I think there was, there was very, very little chance Griffin Kell was getting those in that wind, in that distance. Um, and with, the way he's been kicking. So I I think that there are plenty of conversations to be had about the coaching management, end of game management and the offensive play calling. I don't know that we need to get into any of that specifically. Um, I think you can probably read anybody's tweets about, (laughs) about the matter uh regarding the offensive coordinator but it it it's a again you're not putting yourself in position to win these football games um to to not have a plan to go get that first down and you have all three timeouts um it, yeah there there is a failure of execution but it's it's a failure of of planning a failure of of putting yourself in the best spot mm-hmm. so you know i think Ultimately, TCU needs to be able to to come away with these wins. Um, you know, I don't know. I think I think there are some there are some negatives on the defensive side as well. I mean, TCU had zero QB hurries. Uh, Green dropped back twenty one times, or, or threw twenty one passes. He dropped back more than that and and escaped a bunch of times. But um, zero QB hurries, zero sacks for the team that entered the game as the number one power five sacks leader um nationally that's uh that's not a, that's not a good result i think ultimately that's not what lost the game but uh this one this one hurts i think you know i don't know if we're going to talk about like what this means for the future but i think i think this is a this is the kind of loss that um really sets you back for the expectations for what this season could be, you mm-hmm. know, not only are we probably not, we're, we're not talking about national stage, certainly after, after week one, even we're not talking really about uh conference stage. Having lost this one it, it is a game that you have to win. Um, you're not talking about a top 25 caliber program. Uh, you know what what are we talking about? Are we talking about a, a bowl team? Are we hopeful that TCU goes and finds three more wins on this schedule? I think there are three more wins, certainly. There are probably 
five, six more wins if if they clean some of this stuff up. But um, I don't know. I think all of our collective expectations need to be lowered for what this season is going to be at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to lead into my my next point and my next question is I know after the Colorado game, we were talking on the podcast about the preseason predictions that we made as a staff as far as what we expect TCU's win total to be. And uh, after the Colorado game, we had the question posed, are we going to stick with our predictions that we made at the start of the year? Are we going to revise them. And I still felt that after the Colorado game, TCU was capable of being a nine win team. I was still confident in that considering what the schedule looked like over the first half. And if TCU could stay healthy and build some positive momentum, they could go into the second half of the schedule and pick up some, some key wins and and get to that nine and three, but losing this game. And with this game being at home, I find it very difficult to believe that this team can win nine games. I think where TCU stands right now, being three and two, one and one in the conference, you can't take Iowa State for granted. You can't take you can't take BYU for granted. You can't take Texas Tech for granted, given how this team has looked. So I really it hurts me a little bit to say this, but this is looking more like a six or seven win football team just because of the inconsistencies that we've seen from the offense, the inability to finish drives with touchdowns and some of the struggles that we've seen defensively. And I will say on a positive note, I thought the linebackers for TCU played well in this game. Jamoy Hodge had 10 tackles. Shad Banks had nine tackles. He started again for Johnny Hodges, who hasn't played over the last two games with that hand injury. I think Nambi Obiizor has gotten better and better with every game and he's turning out to be a really versatile player for this defense being a converted safety that has made some good tackles in the open field. So I'll give some positive, you know, some kudos there to those guys, but I think collectively this is the kind of loss that you, you really figure out what this team is going to be made of after a loss like this. And, you know, Sonny Dykes made the comment post game that last year's group would find ways to win games like this. And there was a stretch last year. I know we talked about it in our uh, end of season, you know, superlatives where they just had that grind of a schedule with West Virginia and Texas tech and Baylor, where every game just felt like it was a battle and each game, they found a different way to win. And right now it feels like TCU is finding different ways to lose games. And I think Sonny Dykes, uh, reflected that with a, with some of the comments that he made post game. So, um, I think moving forward, the biggest concern I have really is the offensive line um, because it goes back to the SMU game. TCU and SMU, Imani Bailey had only 15 rushing yards in the first half because there was nowhere for him to go, and I thought the offensive line did a much better job in the second half of getting some more push and Bailey showed some better vision. He was able to find some holes and wound up finishing the game with over 120 yards. But in this game, it was just start to finish. There was, there was nowhere for Imani Bailey or anybody running out of the backfield to go. I know Cam Cook got a little bit of run. Trey Sanders got very minimal run in this game, but I think those guys combined for 16 yards on four carries. So, uh, Morris was really the bulk of the run offense in this game. And 
Morris, I think, was kind of – Sonny Dyke said that he was flustered at the end of the game, and I would agree with that because I don't think he really trusted his offensive line. It felt like he was always moving out of the pocket trying to make things happen, and I know he's not a big guy. He's probably six feet tall on a good day, but he was probably – a little nervous about sitting in the pocket and trying to read what was going on because there was a lot of pressure coming through the middle. That was an adjustment that West Virginia made from the first half to the second, a lot of linebackers coming through the middle of that line and they were even getting home with three or four guys. So this offensive line, hopefully Brandon Coleman is back next week. It would be huge if he is, but I also wonder if you got to start maybe shifting some people around. Or, or getting some different players in there because uh, th- this is West Virginia's defensive line. TCU is going to be facing much better units as the schedule moves on. So I really hope this offensive line can get it figured out moving forward. Yeah, my I guess my last thing on this game and where we, we stand looking to the future of expectations for TCU. And and this this will be my my one comment. I, I guess I said I wasn't going to comment, but I, I'll comment on the offensive coordinator situation mm-hmm. of when Sonny Dykes brought in Kendall Bryles to be the offensive coordinator. The feedback I gave here on this podcast was more or less Sonny Dykes is now staking his claim to this. He is he is putting his reputation, his um all of the goodwill that was built up by the massive amount of success from a season ago uh, that going to the national championship in 2022 he had infinite goodwill to do anything for his program to bring in anyone. He used that goodwill to bring in Kendall Bryles. And the perspective was, okay, that's what you've decided to do, despite what that may mean to most of the TCU fan base and what that may mean just generally for the university. Great. You better win. You better come out and be successful. You better win big and win immediately. And that has not happened. The opposite has happened. You've won, and you've won in embarrassing fashion with an offense that has been inept at the key moments. And Mm -hmm. that is a failure on Dykes and on Bryles. And they got to figure it out because um, that message is not going to get any quieter you you go to Ames and you put up a, another stinker. You you let BYU come in, and they're probably going to fill the Carter with with BYU mm-hmm. fans. They always did before. There are massive amounts of BYU fans in DFW, and they will be there. Um, you better come out and start winning some games, uh, because this you, you've put it all on the line making this decision um it's not working so find a way to win some football games um mm-hmm. i'll leave it there yeah i think it's it's not a secret that this offense is 
struggling collectively. I know an article was written earlier in the week by uh, Stephen Johnson, who reports on TCU for the Star-Telegram, that the the team is aware that they can move the ball and they're aware that they can rack up these yards. And that's one thing we didn't note in this game is TCU outgained West Virginia by roughly 100 yards. They had over 400 total yards in this game, but the the narrative is out there about this offense that they don't know how to finish. And I think this Iowa State game going on the road, some interesting things have happened in Ames when TCU and Iowa State have come together. So, And they have this- a good defense. It's going to be a, a challenge for this offense to go in and get stuff done. And, you know, if – if you're if your whole thing is that you're this you're this boy genius who can scheme up anything to go get yards when you need them to go get points when you need them where have you been fourth quarters you're driving to win the game scheme up something to go win the game mm-hmm. where is it where's that genius it's not there it mm-hmm. does it, because it doesn't exist it's and we will it, see if this TCU, is a fiction we'll see if TCU can get back on the winning track next weekend. It'll be another night game and a lot of us will be watching. So that'll be a good matchup to see. And there was a lot of good big 12 action over this weekend as we'll segment. We'll, we'll transition into our next segment here. Um, Oklahoma, yes, pull me out of that. <laughs> Oklahoma picking up a huge win over Iowa state 50 to 20 Dylan Gabriel, that offense continuing to roll uh, Oklahoma remaining unbeaten on the season Baylor with a crazy comeback. UCF was winning this game 35-7. to Baylor scores 26 fourth quarter points on the road and stuns the Golden Knights 36-35 to to get in the win column in the Big 12. Texas Tech takes down Houston 49-28, to playing without Tyler Shaw, who got injured last week. Texas and Kansas, that was the big marquee game that everybody had their eyes on in the afternoon. We talked on the podcast that Texas was probably going to roll in this game, and that's exactly what happened. Texas winning 40-14 to over the Jayhawks. And then BYU-Cincinnati, a matchup of newcomers in the conference. BYU, I believe, trailed early in this game and then managed to come back and earn a win 35 to 27 Oklahoma state did not play Kansas state also did not play, but in the grand scheme of things in the conference, I think a lot is unchanged as far as what our expectations are. Texas looks good. Oklahoma looks good. I still think Texas, Oklahoma and Kansas state are the top three teams in the conference. Anthony, I think you'd probably agree with me there as well. 100%. Any yep. any thoughts on just what you saw from these teams over the weekend? Yeah, I think Texas Tech has gotten it back on track. I think some people might say Baron Morton gives them a better chance at a at a higher ceiling. So I think Texas Tech is still going to be a pretty dangerous team down the stretch. And d- despite their loss in Morgantown last week, I think that uh, and and you know maybe defeating Houston at home is not like you know the thing that says you're a great team, but I think that they, uh, they're going to have some things to say in this conference, um, the rest of the way. I, I didn't get to see really any of the Baylor UCF game. I was, I was driving to the stadium as, uh, as that whatever madness was happening that Baylor came on this furious comeback. So I don't know what happened there, but, um, you know, I think that UCF as, as they built that huge lead, what, 
I, I saw some of the tweets come through about how they they were talking a big game about how oh it's it's so easy to come into to the Power Five and now they're now they're uh, this dominant force and and Baylor this Baylor team that's been hugely disappointing um, to to come back and win that game is pretty incredible so um, and yeah I mean Texas is a much better team than Kansas I guess you know Jalen Daniels didn't play in that game um, and. I, w- the report was that he hurt his back preparing at the hotel. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, that, that, I don't know, no, no conspiracies there, but, uh, he, he might've found a, a large duffel bag that told him to have a hurt back. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, no, that's, that's, I'm, I'm that's a joke. Please don't take that seriously. Um, and, and, and I thought Jason Bean actually played pretty okay in that game. I don't think Jalen Daniels does all that much more to help Kansas get any closer to actually defeating Texas in Austin um, the other day. So yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas state, that's, that's what it's going to come down to in the end. And um, you know, I I guess I hate to say it, but I kind of, I hope Kansas state gets there and and gets it done so that we don't have to give that big 12 championship trophy to one of the departing members. And uh, I believe the Red River rivalry game is next weekend. So that's going to be a, a huge game. Everyone's going to have their eyes on that one. I don't know if we have any early predictions for, for that game, Anthony, but if you had to choose between Texas and Oklahoma next weekend, which which team you which team you got? I'm I'm going to stick with my Oklahoma. I still think Oklahoma is the team. Um, I, I think they are going to win the conference. I think they end up being a better team than Texas. Um, I think Dylan Gabriel is better than Quinn Ewers, and that's a hot take. Um, the only thing is the uh, Donnie Mitchell. I, I'm, I, I continue to think he's the biggest playmaker, biggest transfer uh, impact guy. And if he gets it going, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm going with the upset. I'll be, I'll be watching that one certainly. And, yeah, I think I'll be uh, I'll be horns down and and chanting boomer sooner for sure. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I'm going to take Oklahoma as well, and we will uh, preview that matchup briefly as well as the other Big Twelve matchups coming up next weekend on our midweek episode, which will drop later this week. When we'll also preview the Iowa State game, so stay tuned for that. I think that will do it for our football discussion this evening. We have a couple more TCU sports items to hit on, some more positive news to share. Yes. We'll go ahead and start with TCU soccer remaining red hot right now in Big 12 play, picking up a 2-0 win over Kansas State with goals from Seven Castain and Skylar Heinrich. Cam Lancaster and Gracie Bryan both had assists. Kansas State did not have a single shot on goal in this match, so the TCU defense turned in a phenomenal effort there. Another shutout for Lauren Kellett and that crew, and then TCU coming right back at Garvey Rosenthal earlier today and picking up a very big win in conference over Oklahoma State. 1-0, a first-half goal, game winner from A.J. Hennessy, assist from Ali Pena. Lauren Kellett had two saves and another shutout for this TCU defense that is playing with a lot of confidence right now. This team as a whole is playing very well after kind of a mixed bag in non-conference play, but TCU is now 4-0-1 in the conference with that draw being 
three to three against BYU, who right now is ranked number six in the country. TCU is eight, three and two now on the season. I think it's fair to say the Frogs will start getting some more top 25 love here pretty soon. Of course, TCU was in the top 25 when the season started, but again, a couple tough non-conference losses at the early point of the season, but this team is playing very well right now. Matches that are coming up, another home match this coming Thursday against Kansas, and then TCU will go on the road next Sunday for a match against Texas Tech, and that's going to be a, a very big match for TCU and a chance to really make a, a claim for top 25 positioning if they're able to go on the road and beat the Red Raiders. So uh, Anthony is our resident soccer stooge on the Frogs of War staff. Were you able to catch any of this action? Yeah, I got to listen to a little bit of the uh, the Oklahoma State game. And that, that Kansas State game, I think that's a game you have to win. And I'm I'm glad TC was able to to end up getting those two goals and, and taking that win because Kansas State is – is not a very good team that would really, really hurt your, um, you know, your kind of computer RPI type rankings for uh, seeding and stuff going forward. So that's, that was a must win game. You can't come out of that one with a draw. So that's, that's big to get a win there. And then taking down the uh, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state was sitting uh, undefeated in conference and at the top of the conference going into that game. So that was a, that was a huge win for conference standings. I was a little bit surprised that Oklahoma State was not ranked uh, or anything, but you know TCU now five straight wins, um, six straight games without a loss. So sitting four zero and one in the conference and just behind Texas Tech in the conference standings sets up for yeah that huge game against against the Red Raiders next week is is going to be exciting and and sets up for. Uh, quite a fun run to the end of the season. Um, you know, with, with UCF, BYU, Texas, uh, adding to the uh, Oklahoma State and TCU and Texas Tech at the top, it's a, it'll be a fun race to the finish in, in the conference standings and should set up for a really exciting conference tournament as well. And TCU soccer was not the only team to pick up two conference wins this past week. TCU volleyball Again, looked really impressive uh, this past Thursday and Friday. They held a, a two home matches against Texas Tech in Big 12 play. Last week, TCU went on the road and split two games against Kansas State to start one and one in the conference. But TCU came right back, swept Texas Tech 3-0 on Thursday, played a really good match Friday that went five sets. TCU took the first two. Texas Tech came right back and evened it extended it to a fifth set tiebreaker, which TCU took 15 to nine. So TCU picking up two conference wins in two days over Texas Tech, getting to 10 and five overall on the season, three and one now in the Big 12. TCU will have a couple more home matches coming up later this week. They will play Cincinnati Friday and Saturday at Schollmeyer Arena. So if you're in the area, uh, check out the Frogs. They're playing really well right now. And a couple individual highlights. Melanie Parra, again, we've brought her up on the podcast multiple times now. She's been just outstanding leading the offense. Had 17 kills in the match on Thursday, which is a three-set match. 34 kills and a double-double in the match on Friday. That's a tie for not only her season high, but ties her career high as well, which when she had 34 kills in a match earlier this year, 
she was the only division one uh, power five player to have 34 kills in a match. So she's been unbelievable. She hit 358 in that match Friday. Uh, also, Audrey Knowles had a individual career highlight with 12 kills in that match. She eclipsed 1000 career kills. So congratulations to her. She had a really nice weekend for TCU. Uh, looks fully healthy back from that injury to start the season. And she's been a, a huge piece to this team on that front line, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Riley Buckley had 34 assists in the match on Thursday. And then her and Lily Nicholson, a freshman, combined for 43 assists in the match on Friday. Cecily Bramschreiber had 23 digs and 14 assists. The libero, which her 14 assists were a season best, and the 23 digs were also a season best for her. So some really good individual performances from the volleyball team and TCU playing with a lot of positive momentum right now as they get ready for Cincinnati later this week. I think that will wrap up everything for our podcast this evening. Anthony, do you have any final thoughts before we transition out of here this evening? No, let's close it. All right. Awesome. Well, we appreciate everybody who's been listening in and supporting us here on the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast and also supporting us and reading our work at frogsofwar.com. Be sure to continue following us on Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War. Again, get your TCU swag online at charliehustle.com. Use the promo code Frogs of War. Get 15% off your TCU items or use the promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. The Patreon is live. Once again, go to patreon.com slash 1012network if you'd like to show your support. Uh, on it, athlete. Trading cards are launching tomorrow. Check out our socials for more information about that. And I just have one little additional note on our run list here. Uh, we closed out the month of September on Frogs of War with 145,000 views. And that's by far a personal best for us over the last several months. We've been tracking these numbers. And we really appreciate all the support and all the readers who, who've been following our work and our staff does a tremendous job. Everybody who's been contributing has done an unbelievable job putting out consistent, high-quality work. And it goes to show that it's, you know, it's getting noticed. And we really do appreciate all the support, all the listeners and readers, not only here on Frogs Up and also on Frogs of War. So uh, with that, we will go ahead and sign off for the evening. I am Russ Hodges. That's Anthony North. We'll catch you on our next midweek episode. We'll sign off with the Frogs Up. Problems up.